I guess, what's the underlying feeling of needing to accomplish these things? You know what I mean? Like, if we're judging ourselves based on not accomplishing certain things, Mm -hmm. is it a fear of being complacent? Is it a fear of being lazy? Is it a fear of feeling worthless? Yeah, because all of those things. People that accomplish all these things, those are worthy people. Those are people that are, you know, have their shit together. You're not one of those people if you don't do that. They've earned the right to be here. This is such a reoccurring theme. Oh my God. I mean, this is, yeah, right. Earn the right to be here. Like earn my keep. Mm -hmm. You ever hear that? I remember my parents used to say that. Earn your keep. Gonna earn your keep around here. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. Okay, and we are live for episode 32. It's titled Judgment. Mm -hmm. I'm here with Diane. Hey, Partner in crime is here. And we're going to dive into judgments. It's a big topic. Which seems... Very timely. Relevant. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a lot going on in the world now. This is, I don't even know when in June, sometime in June, 2020. The middle of June. 2020 is the never ending year. 2020 has been a long decade. <laughs> Holy cow. I want to know honestly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we decided to dig into judgments mm-hmm. and I like starting these with like definitions and I always get surprised when I read the definition of a word because like a lot of times there's like dual meanings to it. Often. Yeah, often, right. But I was just thinking of judgment as the first definition, which is it's the process of forming an opinion by discerning and comparing information. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. right. You're just forming your opinion based on what you think is your reality, your facts, what you're bringing Mm -hmm. in. And then the second definition was more of like a biblical one where it said, Judgment is misfortune viewed as divine punishments. Mm. And so I was like, let's not go down that path. We know what that (laughs) path is. All right. Again. You're going to burn in hell. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Divine punishments. Oh, God. You know, but but it's like every... I don't know if you know people that have the thought process. (sighs) I hate even saying it. I've heard people say, like, when Katrina happens, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well... Those people down there, they were evil. They deserved it. They deserved it. Like that kind of deserving what the of actual hell. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like what? God came down and judged and them. took out the whole city of New Orleans. Like, yeah. What? Like that kind of idea. Or like AIDS. Like when AIDS came around, people would be like, oh, well, the gays they deserve it. it. Mm. Like fucked up stuff. Like really. Like, and this is like, this is recent. And this is what people think. I mean, for people to say it, there's plenty of other that people thinking it. That don't say it, yeah. Yeah. 
so anyway, again, we won't go down that path because we're going to stay a little bit, a little bit lighter hearted on yeah. this. We wanted to get more into like self judgments. Yeah. That's where I first go with it. I told you, like I, I judge myself all the time, all the time. And I catch myself yes. doing it, but I judge myself. I'm faster to judge myself. I mean, I judge other people too. Like I will admit. So it's raining here in Charlotte today. Some neighbor mm-hmm. is out mowing their damn lawn. And I'm sitting in my living room. I'm working on my laptop and I'm like thinking to myself, what an idiot. <laughs> like I judge other people. I mow along the rain. Like, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? It's raining. Why are you mowing your lawn today? Of yeah. all days. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, but I catched myself. Like I had the thought and then I went, oh, you're judging. Look at where you're going with this. Like stop, take a step back. Maybe they have valid reasons of their own for what they're doing and their behavior. Yeah. Who am I to judge? (laughs) That's a common human trait. That's what we do. That we all fall into. Judgment's got a bad connotation, but it's what we do. We look around our world and we judge it. Yeah. We create stories. Create stories. So somehow we're perceiving the world. Yeah. Like driving is a really good example. Like, oh God, Mm. what an idiot. But the self-judgment's a different kind of judgment. It's a different kind of storyline. Oh, and sometimes more dangerous. Harsh. Like, cause I'm not walking around yelling at other drivers. Well, sometimes, sometimes, but (laughs) (laughs) you're not judging your own driving. Uh, Sometimes I do, but no, I judge myself. A lot of times it's more, well, you should have this figured out already, or you should be farther along, or you should have gotten more done. Mm. And it's a harshness with myself. I'm the one doing it to myself. Like nobody else is, nobody else cares. Like how many tasks I got checked off my list today. Yeah. And it's like almost accomplishment based. Like you were saying before, like I'd, my memoir has been sitting there for too long. I got to get back to it. Mm-hmm. Why haven't you finished this yet? Yeah. Yeah. This last two weeks has been my taxes. I'm like, oh God. Get, finish your freaking taxes. Just finish them. Then you can stop thinking about it. But then like, once you check that off, it's something else on the back end. It's like, there's always this like rolling lists of things that I need to do in order to feel like I can relax. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you, even like I was up at 3 a.m., mm-hmm. You know, had like a full day until like 11. Then I'm like just conked out for a half an hour. I was tired. I woke up like in a panic, like just, oh shit, did I miss something? Check my phone. Check, oh my God. You know, like God forbid forbid I fall asleep for a half an hour. Like the world's going to come to an end. Like it's going to grind to a halt because Al wasn't awake to solve the world's problems. You're not that special, dude. I'm so not that special. (laughs) I know. But think about that storyline. Yeah. It's easy for you to tell me that. I can't tell myself that. Right. In that moment, right. I just feel it. Because it's feel the like- pressure we put on ourselves. And where's that coming from? You know, taking care of everybody else, being sure everybody else is happy, feeling other people's real or perceived expectations. Like, yeah. All ridiculous. Like, and I just think, like, no. again, not to sound morbid, but if we were, if we just died tomorrow, uh-huh. the world just goes on. Yeah. yeah, people would grieve, and but guess what? The world would go on, and everything you have around you—my laptop, my papers—it would all figure itself out, and mm-hmm. the world would just nothing would even skip a beat, really. Mm-hmm. But we think we're so—I don't know if it's—I think I'm important. I just think I'm trying to keep this train rolling. I don't mm-hmm. know what train it is. I don't know where I'm driving it to. Like it just needs to keep rolling for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. 
And so I came upon a quote, which I like to do. When you judge another, you do not define them. You define yourself. Yes. So it's like when you're judging other people, it automatically makes you feel bad, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I never feel good about judging someone else. No, it's not uplifting or empowering. No. no. It feels heavy. Yeah, you're carrying it. It's like you're carrying that. It's you're all not internal. getting rid of it. Yeah. I mean, you could unload it on other people. Yeah. And even worse, though, they used to feel even worse sometimes. Maybe in that right. very brief moment, you feel some kind of release, but then you carry it with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where my default setting was internally with myself about my first memoir. And I'm like, why is this taking so long at so many points in this process? Like, at first it was fun, and then it stopped being fun. And I was like, God. I had to pick this up again. I've gone through this book. I've lost count how many times. I'm so sick of this damn book. But I'll resist. And then I'll judge myself for resisting. Mm-hmm. I finally... It's almost done at this point. But there's a few pieces that I still have yet to do related to it. But it's just like, what are you resisting? Like, why is this taking so long? And... Mm-hmm. Why haven't you finished this yet? Why haven't you accomplished more? For some reason, I have a feeling if you were talking to me, if I was the one with the memoir mm-hmm. and I came to you and said what you just told me, like, I can't get back. Why don't I just finish this one? You would be so much more compassionate for me. Totally. You'd be like, don't worry about it. I get it. People go through that. It's okay. Like, I just told a ghostwriting client. They were almost apologizing to me. They're like, I'm sorry, this is taking longer than I expected it to take. And I wrote back and I was like, you totally have permission to simply go at your own pace. You set the pace. It's so freaking easy to tell other people. Why can't I do that to myself? I'm sitting here like ruminating about fucking fuck needs to get picked up again. It's it's common sense, right? I mean, when you think about it, it's like you're doing this to other people, like you're, you're allowing them and it's, and you believe it. It's not like you're just... No, I meant it. We're so yeah. to extend grace to other people and withhold it from ourselves. Right. And that's not a fun way to live. It's really not. I even told my, my editor friend who's doing the formatting on the book, I wrote back to her because she was like, here it is. And I'm like, oh God, this may take me a little while. And she went, just take as much time as you need. I figured you may need some time to go through it. And she, again, was extending compassion and grace to me. And I, ref- I withhold it from myself. Yeah. Let's mess up. Like, why can't we be kinder to ourselves? Like, you're doing the best you can. And I told you recently, there has just been a lot lately. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't look at email for four days recently. And it was, Glorious, I literally, I had my phone with me. It's on my phone. I mean, I don't get notifications, so I have to actually go in oh, good. and intentionally check it. But for four full days in a row, I did not open That's impressive. the email account on my phone. I was impressed with myself. It was blissful. I am. And I'm like... I can't remember the last time I've done that. The day that I went in and picked it back up, I'm like, oh, the world didn't end. It never does. It's like it's all sitting there waiting for me. Like, I'll get to it when I get to it. And yet we feel this sense of urgency. Like I have to get it done. I have to reply. I have to communicate. And we put these expectations on ourselves that are so freaking ridiculous. Like more, more, more. We have to get more, more, more done. 
I feel like in business too, like being self-employed, being self-employed, but all oh, just in any type of, especially in financial advisory work, like my, I've just always been taught, like you always call a client back within 24 hours. Immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if not sooner, like 24 hours is the absolute limit, but you call mm-hmm. them back. And like, there's so many other professions that I deal with mm-hmm. that nobody calls me back. Right. Like my property management company that handles like my rental property, mm-hmm. the guy doesn't call me back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I've left you two messages. Mm-hmm. You haven't even responded. Yeah. And this is like the norm, like contractors and like, oh, God. and when somebody finally does call you back, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. The bar sets so low. Yes, it is. Customer service bar. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a blessing and a curse in some ways. Cause like now, for instance, like we're doing this podcast, mm-hmm. two clients have already left me messages that I need to call after we record this. Yeah. And I'm already kind of like a little bit, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. I got my like, yeah, my appointment reminders on my computer. I'm like, all right, make sure I call them back. It almost makes me sick to feel like I've missed some, like if I forget to call someone back, I'll feel literally nauseous. Like, like I just, I almost base my integrity on doing those things. Basically, Mm -hmm. not just calling people back, but just responding and being there for people, especially clients. And technology has accelerated that experience for sure. Like back when you and I were growing up, we didn't have cell phones. Nope. Like we didn't have, certain didn't have smartphones. I didn't have, I had a Blackberry, I don't know, maybe 13, 14 years ago. It wasn't until like, I didn't text until I had that Blackberry. Yeah. I didn't have email on my phone. And so then we have all these notifications and my phone is on silent right now. It's next to me, but I'm not, look, I can't hear it. And I don't need to check it. Like, I'll get back to you. I can take an hour to record a podcast. Yeah. You can wait. And yet we judge ourselves like for failing. Yeah. Like if we don't get it right, we feel like a failure. Well, again, it's like how many plates are you going to spin? You know, like you could spin four plates. You're going to try to spin six. Mm. There were a couple of months I was working from bed for a while after the whole trauma Mm. thing happened. And then I finally was like, I actually don't like working from bed. <laughs> yeah. So being a part of some podcast actually was what helped me get my laptop out of my bedroom. And I was like, oh, yeah. Because I immediately post-trauma, I was so mad. I walked downstairs when my family was here, grabbed the laptop and pulled it into my bedroom. It was chaotic. Yeah. And I got to the point where I'm like, I don't want all this stuff in my personal space. Like, I don't want to have all this technology here. I don't want this mm-hmm. in this space. But I had to allow myself to do it for the few months where it was really physically necessary yep. for me. But then afterward, I'm like, Hell no. But I spent the last, the point of this was I spent the last six months of 2019 working both businesses. Mm. And I picked my head up at some point in September and was like, when is the last time I had a full day off? And I couldn't answer the question. Yeah. This isn't how I want it. Why am I putting this pressure on myself to keep saying yes to all these things? And yeah. It's like, because real estate clients were coming out of the woodwork wanting to work me to work with them. Here we go again. Can't miss an opportunity. Right. And I spent six months living like that and working yeah. literally seven days a week. So last weekend, I was telling you, I gave myself time. To, I took a nap yesterday morning and I allowed myself to rest 
because I felt like I needed to. Mm -hmm. And that is so radical. Like five years ago, me would be, even two years ago, me would be, obviously a year ago, me would be horrified. But we put so much pressure on ourselves to do it all and to be it all and to have it all. And that's not sustainable. That's not the way I want to live. Yeah. I don't want to work seven days a week. I can. Yeah. I think on the flip side of judgment too, we start to think that there's this destination of one day, I'm never going to judge myself. And one day, I'm never going to judge others. And one day, I'll be over all this and I'll be a bigger person. Yeah. Like I'll have so much Mm self-compassion that I'll never have Mm self-judgment. That's not true. That's That's such a false belief. Yeah. And just listening to people that have spent decades upon decades dedicating their lives to working on themselves, meditators, yeah. they'll say the same thing, that they have self-judgment too. Yeah. We talked about the practice of meditation is to get more and more comfortable with not judging your own thoughts. Like, you're not your thoughts. We're not... Who we are is not our thoughts. Like, our thoughts just come and go. And the goal of meditation is just to be the observer and the witness to them. Yeah, that's the key point is that Mm -hmm. I think we all think deep down that we create our own thoughts because we're told that we drive our own lives. You think the thoughts that you put into your head and you, it doesn't work that way. Thoughts just arise out of thin air Mm -hmm. because to think that you are initiating your own thoughts would mean that you have to have the thought to have the thought. Mm-hmm. There has to be a thought preceding the thought you're going to have. Right. Otherwise, the thought's just coming up. Right. You're not in control of that. No. You go walk across the street and some car screeches out and you have this thought that that guy's an asshole. You right. didn't say, let me have the thought that this guy's an asshole. You just had the thought. It wasn't premeditated judgment. It just came up. But I think we're in this weird kind of, um, again, dichotomy of like thinking that we can that we're we're almost like we have free will to create our own thoughts. And then when we have thoughts that we don't want, we're like self-judgmental. Oh, we're yeah. Like, why are you having that thought again? You've had that thought a hundred times over. Stop having that thought. Right. Instead of like what a meditator would do, the thought is independent. It's just, you just want to watch them go by, like clouds going by the sky. Like they're going to come and Not they're going to go. cling on to them. Yeah, to let them go. Emotions are the, similar. Like, so for instance, think about like the last time you were angry. Angry is like something that's, it's finite. It's a short window. Yeah. Like you can't, once it passes, you're moved on to something else. That's gone. You're mm-hmm. on to something else. Same with a thought. You have one thought. Mm-hmm. An hour later, you don't even remember what you thought. You know, you're thinking about something else. Mm-hmm. So things just keep like kind of moving on. I think it's when mm-hmm. we, once we start merging with these thoughts or clinging to them or... Yeah, it is a similar to feelings. Like when all that damn grief a few weeks ago, like, mm-hmm. there were just waves of emotion. And I, I really had to allow myself to just feel it, to feel whatever I was feeling and to to not get upset with myself for having those feelings come up because they were legitimate feelings. Right. I didn't create them. They just came up in response to some external circumstances that happened. Not judging myself. I'm proud of myself for how far I've come. And we talked about that too. You know, we're so quick to judge ourselves for what we didn't check off our to-do list. And we're so slow to give ourselves credit for how far we've come 
or what we have accomplished. I picked up the formatting of the memoir over the weekend and I got through about 25% of it so far, just because it's up to me as the author to do the, to give the final approval. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh God, you know what? That honestly felt really good to pick it up and make some progress. Mm-hmm instead of judging myself for the fact that I let it sit for two and a half months waiting for me. Yeah. Well, now I clearly I'm ready to do it now. And I wasn't two and a half months ago. So I guess what's the underlying feeling of needing to accomplish these things? You know what I mean? Like if we're judging ourselves based on not accomplishing certain things, Mm -hmm. Is it a fear of being complacent? Is it a fear of being lazy? Is it a fear of feeling worthless? Yeah, like because all only of those things. People that accomplish all these things, those are worthy people. Those are people that are, you know, have their shit together. You're not They're, one of those people if you don't do that. They've earned the right to be here. This is such a reoccurring theme. Oh my I God. Love. I mean, this is, yeah, right. Earn the right to be here. Like earn my keep. Mm-hmm. You ever hear that? I remember my parents used to say that. Earn your keep. Gonna earn your keep around here. I do tell the cats that. I'm like, when do you, yeah. when do you start contributing to the mortgage payment? Right. They don't understand. <laughs> or like, whatever. Mom. Yeah. Um, Watching the thoughts without judgment. That's like witnessing. Witnessing the thought. Right. And just again, knowing that number one, you didn't create them. Mm-hmm. And number two, you don't need to merge with them. Like they can be right. something completely separate. You could literally bear witness to them. Right. And have them float right. And know that every thought that you've ever had over the last 40 something years of your life, mm-hmm. it passed. There's not yeah. one thought that didn't pass. It all passes, right? Eventually. I had a lot of thoughts related to my ex-husband while I was divorcing him. Oh, I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> the audience knows you did too. <laughs> Clearly by this point. Oh, we talk about him so often. Yeah, lots of judgmental thoughts, yeah. So immediately post-divorce, I wrote, there's a whole chapter in my first memoir called Letters Never Sent. Mm -hmm. So I had to get the thoughts out of my head because they were hurting me Mm -hmm. by carrying them. So I wrote letters, some to my ex, some to myself, that I knew I was never going to send. Like, I knew I would never actually communicated but that actually was really healing for me yeah and some of them were i mean they're well written but some were quite vitriolic like oh, those are some strong words you have to get it out right purge mm-hmm. yeah and what was the emerson quote that you have several quotes that you told me that i really liked i have one by carl young that he says thinking is difficult that's why people judge uh, it's like you don't want to like go through the facts of the situation because that's too cumbersome, right? Mm-hmm. It's too, uh, <laughs> it takes too much effort to like go through the facts. Mm-hmm. I know we weren't going to go down this path, but in current events, there's a lot going on with like protesting, rioting, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't have any kind of hard stance on any of this, but I do feel that many people that do protest or that claim that they have a certain belief don't know any of the facts behind the situation. Maybe they've heard a few headlines. They're making their own judgments. Yeah. And based on maybe information that's not accurate, you know? So, I mean, Mm -hmm. the whole idea behind having a belief to me is like, there's got to be some sort of accuracy of facts behind it. 
that's the scariest part to me is when I'm around people that have this hard belief and then you present them with like the real facts and they're like, I don't care. That's, I don't, I don't care about the facts. This is my belief. Right. Like that's terrifying to me because there's no conversation there. You can't have any type of dialogue there. It's not open-minded and ugh, you want to go down this pathway? Let's a lot do of it. traditional, we'll just go with traditional religious organizations are very much the same way. They're like, this is the way it is. This is the way the Bible's interpreted. The Bible's just a book that was written by men mm-hmm. how many years ago. Yeah. Whoever's holding the pen has the power. Who do you think wrote the Bible? <laughs> it wasn't women. So there's a, and I was watching earlier today, um, a lot an Instagram live with Glennon Doyle and a writer, author. Her name is Sue Monk Kid. Mm-hmm. I actually have her book. It's called The Book of Longings. The Book of Longings. Okay. Fascinating conversation between the two of them. Yeah. What stories are we believed? It's actually a fiction book about first century Catholic. Mm. It's hard not to get into religion when you talk about judgment because... Because religious people can be so judgmental, so quick to judge other people. Like, I'm right, you're wrong. It's like, well... Well, they have one word that basically nullifies the whole entire situation. That's faith. So if there's no facts, then you could just use the word faith and that just, that overcomes any other argument. Right. It supersedes everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you believe this? Well, where are the facts about this? So you're telling me that this book that was written by men 2000 years ago, whatever it was, 1500 years ago, mm-hmm. that's the word of God? Yes. Mm-hmm. How do you know that? I just have faith. <laughs> Conversation ends. But conversation over. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. nowhere to go from there. I mean, I, and that's, what, I mean, again, I'm becoming more okay with it. As you say, you know, you listen to authors and you can bypass like the whole religious kind of. I read between the lines. I'm starting to realize that. Yeah. I used to take a more of a harder stance on it. And I kind of believe that you almost sort of need, I'll put the religious aspects of people's lives like in that spirituality type group Mm -hmm. everybody needs something to believe in spiritual Mm -hmm. yeah it can't all be i think science based and i think it's good to have both Mm -hmm. it's just hard to again it comes down once people like have these convictions about things that they know nothing about Mm -hmm. that's where it gets scary because then in how many other aspects of life will they do the same thing so what if, you know, somebody starts telling you, you know what, let's go back to lynching because lynching was a good thing. I like lynching. All right, let's do lynching. Why? Well, it says in the Bible, or I don't know, whatever. Like on the Bible, you know, it condones slavery. It condones, you know, killing homosexuals. Why aren't we doing that? Well, that's because it's, you know, it was written a long time ago. Oh, so now we're discerning what's the, the right information and what was accurate and what's not accurate. You're the judge and jury. Yeah, it's kind of like it's just whatever's convenience. Oh, I'll believe this part and then we'll take out that part and I'll believe this part and I forget about that part. They didn't really mean that. Judgment. I said we weren't going to go in that direction, but it's hard not to. Tell me the Emerson quote again. All right, so the Emerson quote goes, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else Mm -hmm. is the greatest accomplishment. I don't have any experience with that. (laughs) 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 Only like 40 years of it. Well, that's where you can't get away from judgment. Right. 
we're all judging constantly and we know it. We know it about ourselves and we know it about others. Mm-hmm. So when people tell you like, you know what, you got to just not care about what other people it, think. Well, like corporate you. America, like Monday's Friday, nine to five. Well, who says who? Yeah. Who wrote that rule book? I think it's time to throw it out and burn it. Yeah. You got to drink the corporate Kool-Aid just like I do. Oh, you don't right. believe what you we believe? You have to be at your desk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it comes down to comparison too. That mm-hmm. I'm right, you're wrong. Yes. Is what's underlying judgment. This is the way we've always done things. And if you don't do them that way, you're wrong. Fall in line. Yeah. If you step out of line. That's right. You're going against the herd. You can't go against the herd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. When he says it's the greatest accomplishment, I think he's just trying to say that it's just a never-ending struggle. It's one of those things that you're constantly dealing with when we always talk about there's no destination to this. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a destination to judgments. So I listened yeah. to this lady, Tara Brock. Tara Brock yes. wrote mm-hmm. Radical Acceptance. Great book. Mm-hmm. She's a meditation teacher. Is she a loving, loving kindness meditation? Um, I think she or? does loving kindness meditation. I think she does okay. many forms, yeah. but she's written a few books. The one that I remember is Radical Acceptance. And she talks a lot about this idea that like judgment doesn't go away. Like, so she even like, she gets personal, like on her podcast, she's like, I realize the things inside of me are, and it's accomplishment based. She's like, I know that I like to have my green tea in the morning, which gives me caffeine. She's like, I think I have a little bit of a caffeine addiction Addiction. (laughs) and that gets me going. And Mm -hmm. when I get going, I accomplish more and that makes me feel good about myself. Right. And so she real like she's starting to realize that, but then she judges herself that she's a meditation teacher. Why are you drinking caffeine? What do you have to accomplish? You're a meditation teacher. Like you're teaching people to relax and be, not do, mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. So she's there's conflict there. We're human beings, not human doings. That's right. We're taught the opposite in our society. You're defined. Yeah, I, but I think what happens is we're we have this ideal that we think we can hit this place of complete self-compassion, no judgment. It's not there. I think it's a work in progress all the time. It's like that upward spiral that yes. James, James Hollis. Hollis. Yeah. About. Right. You, you come back to it. Maybe you get better at it. It's not like it doesn't get easier or it doesn't soften. So one of the quotes I love, I don't even know who the hell said it, but progress, not perfection. Yes. And I've told this to you and we've even talked about it with some of the blog posts. So I've sent them to you and I'm like, we're going with done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. But yeah. Cause I'm a recovering perfectionist. Yes. That was one of my internal defaults. Have you ever heard of the Enneagram? Yeah, I have. Do you know what you are? I don't, but I was just listening to somebody who was, who, I was Brittany Brown, that podcast. Is that the one you listen to? No. Brene Brown had the guy on that was talking about it, the Enneagrams. Um, there's some great books about it. You might be a four. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm judging yeah. you. Right okay. now. <laughs> there it is. Judgment. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a two with the one way, which the twos are the helpers. Mm-hmm. And the dark, the shadow side of that or that personality is people pleasing. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've got quite a lot of experience with that. And then the one wing, that aspect is i forget the word they have for it it's not perfection but that's the dark side of that category is perfectionism yeah like waiting until it's perfect to start like just start like even with me picking up the damn book yeah just start like just just pull up the damn file and just start 
Like it doesn't have to be perfect. You're not going to get it perfectly. The edits that I'm making right now on that book, and there's not many of them. I'm catching like, oh, there's an extra word in there. And there's a... It's never ending, but it'll probably be a never ending yeah. editing process if... If I don't let it the hell go. Mm-hmm. This yeah. book wanted to be written. It's This has been... What? 2020. It's been a four-year process, mm. which is a long time to sit it is. one book. Yeah. That's probably why I'm so sick of the damn thing. But I think like when you get started on something, your mind automatically tries to go to the ends and then it becomes overwhelming, right? It's like sort of... Instead of just being in the process of doing it, sometimes your mind's like, oh, so much. You don't have to do 100% at a time. Like you can go through and do 25% of reviewing it and then pick it up another day and it'll still be there. Yeah. That's again, that's like the progress is better than perfect. Yeah. There is a book. I I think his name is Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile Mm. about the Enneagram that I have read multiple times. It was eye-opening for me and okay. actually one of the writers that i follow jen hatmaker her podcast is how i heard about that book and then i read it and devoured it because anything personality wise we'll just eat that up yeah but it was really fascinating it's an ancient framework basically for how we as people show up in the world mm-hmm. and it really it's it's so uncomfortable because they talk about your shadow side yeah it's not comfortable to look at that like, mm. anyway, another book recommendation. I forget what it's called, but those are the authors. Okay. The Road Back to You. The Road Back to You. I think that's what it's called. If you check out Brene Brown's podcast, she interviewed someone that was talking about that, who had a book. Yeah. and There's I a bunch of people who are highly is. proficient in that whole okay. framework. I mean, he was going through so many different personality cat. Like, it was like, there's, it wasn't just four. There was like... There's nine, and then there's oh, multiple combinations. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's more than, more than I could keep up with. I was like, holy shit, this keeps going. I have really found the Enneagram to be very, very helpful. Okay. Just to keep myself in check. Yeah. Like, okay, are you saying, what do you, where are you saying yes from? Or where are you saying no from? Are you saying no out of fear? Mm. And are you saying yes out of wanting to please other people? Yeah. And those are questions that I continue to ask myself because those are some of my biggest struggles. Do you think like those no or yes answers come from like an internal, like physical experience? So for instance, if you're, depending on the state that you're in, Mm-hmm. You know, if you didn't get sleep, you're a little anxious, you're a little too caffeined up and somebody calls you and you're going to have a different response than if you had a good night's sleep and you're feeling good and you're feeling centered. Rested. Mm-hmm. I always think of that those kinds of things. Like my internal experience sometimes affects my decision-making process. Yes. Or again, I, I mean, I'm like the guy that thinks that meditation is the greatest thing in the world and freaking never does it. <laughs> I'm like, I've done it for like two weeks in a row at my longest stretch. So you're saying you're a hypocrite. I'm a complete hypocrite. Like I'm so disciplined in oh, so many different ways, mm-hmm. but sitting down with my eyes closed for freaking 10 minutes a day, I just don't do it. Like, I, I don't know what my uh, Where block is. Mm. I know how important it is. I could see the value why. Yeah, totally. But again, like watching the grass grow, like it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. Like you just do the, do this for a long period of time. It's a practice. That's why they call it a practice. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I want the, I want the immediate gratification. (laughs) (laughs) I am, but I see like the benefit to it. And I think it's one of those things where Mm -hmm. one day I'm going to be like, why haven't I done this my entire life? Right. I first started using guided meditations while I was very deeply unhappily married just to get to sleep. I'm like, I just can't keep thinking. I have to just listen to somebody talk to me and slow down my mind so that I can be more of the witness and the observer and not get caught up in all the thoughts. Yes. Because there were a lot of very dark thoughts that I was having, particularly toward him at that time. You were meditating for his sake. (laughs) So you wouldn't kill him. For his personal safety. Yes, that's a a very accurate statement, actually. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, we talked about, one of the other things we talked about is how courage and fear, they're inextricably tied to one another. Mm -hmm. The the concept that the fear is ever going to go away is such a load of crap. When we're challenging ourselves and moving out of our comfort zones, fears are going to come up. Yeah. And it's about having the courage to take, whether it's action or not action, and allowing yourself to rest. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna you're gonna experience a level of fear. It gets easier. Like I'm a public speaker now. Seven years ago, I couldn't say my name in public. Right. So I, I mean, there's a differentiation. So when you first started public speaking and you did it, that took courage. <laughs> Now it doesn't take that kind of courage. That it doesn't take as much. It still takes as much. Courage. But without the, I guess the idea is that we automatically think like the movies, like, you know, the Congressional Medal of Honor guy that dives on a grenade with no fear, saving it. No, that guy had fear. We've created this storyline that courage can happen like if you're real, like, real confident and you just take charge and you do things, that's courage. No, courage means you're overcoming fear. And when you talk to some of these or listen to some of the Congressional Medal of Honor guys, they were terrified out of their minds. You know, listening to one like recently, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's talking about the experience about being like horrified and terrified. And like, and I think we have this idea because you watch commercials and you're watching these, you know, football players and basketball players. And just inspirational poster on the wall. It's like, uh, ah, uh, like, there is a company that does like the opposite of the inspirational posters. Like, oh, really? Ah, oh, I gotta remember the name of it. I totally want to plug it. A friend of mine brought a poster in, and it just shows this guy like tripping across like the finish line and like guys passing him. Yeah. And he said, and basically, on the top of it, it's just failure. Mm-hmm. And it, on the bottom, it says, "When your best just wasn't good enough." Mm-hmm. It's like the anti-inspirational. <laughs> It's supposed to be funny. I guess I didn't. I didn't deliver that too well. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. in bold letters, it says failure. You know, instead of saying like success or accomplishment, that was hilarious. Be brave, yeah. Be bold, decisive. Like yeah. Self judgment, judgment of other people. We all do it. We all experience, and it. it's something that we're built to do. Think of just observing your world. That you're in constant judgments. I mean, judgment's like a very broad term. It's just... An, it's just creating internal thought. It's an experience. Forming opinions, interpreting, right. Just seeing like the inflection in other people's eyes. Very like we're so... 
our senses are so designed to pick up on such little nuances of things like with other people, like their body posture, their eye movement, everything like the not the nonverbal. Yeah. But to an extent that like, I don't think we really get, we're really, you can really see when you're communicating, like somebody's looking down or they're like playing with their hands or they put their hands behind their back or they lean forward, or they lean back or they're breathing heavy or they're, there's so many different little nuanced things that are happening that we're feeding off each other mm-hmm. and you're making little judgments, mm-hmm. not a bad judgment or a good judgment. You're making, you know, forming opinions, your personal judgment. Yeah. yeah. But I think the tough one is that self-judgment. That's everybody, everybody struggles with that. I think that's the hardest challenge. And just to roll it back around, like you said, you saying it to yourself mm-hmm. is the hardest thing. In the same breath, you're telling me that you told a friend in the same situation. No, just take your time doing it. Right. I do the same. I do the same exact thing. I do the mm-hmm. same exact thing. And I know it. And I try to remind myself of it. It's still so ingrained. Mm-hmm. There's almost like a voice behind the voice saying, stop listening. No, you can't take it easy. Stop listening to that. Like there's this deep down feeling of like all that fluffy stuff that you tell other people that doesn't apply to you. Mm-hmm. You can't let your guard down. You got to keep going. I don't even know the full story, but of the two wolves, mm. it wasn't an Indian proverb or something. I don't know. Yeah. There's actually a podcast based on it. Somebody named it like after that. Yeah. So basically goes that you have a wolf on each of your shoulders and it's the conversation. I think it was a conversation between an elder and a child. Yes. And the child's question was, I'm going to butcher this story, <laughs> but the child's question to the elder was, well, which wolf wins? And the elder's aunt response was the one you feed. Yeah. So there's one wolf is the voice of compassion and the other is the voice of judgment uh-huh. and fear. And that's what underlying at the end of the day, in my opinion, I think underlying a lot of the forms of judgment that we see in our world, they're based in fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're rooted in fear. Because to have self-compassion is sort of leaving you somewhat vulnerable, <laughs> or at least we think we are, right? <laughs> you know, like you're being easy with yourself. So now like you're letting your guard down. Yeah. Wait, I got to have this protective shell. No, 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 no. Self-compassion. Be easy with yourself. Take a nap. Don't have to produce. And then there's like that part of you in you that's just like, don't slow down. Don't slow down. Don't slow down. So, But once you can get more comfortable with that. And again, I, I take comfort in just people like Tara Brock, who's been practicing her entire life that says... There's aspects of her life. She still struggles with this, but she can see it. And I think that's part of why Brene Brown is so wildly popular. Yes. Because she shares her personal stories from her family. Like she has shared fights with her husband. Like she shares her own shit. And I think that's why so many people are drawn and relate so strongly with her. Because she's real. And she doesn't, she's a shame researcher and has been for decades. Like, she could just have this polished exterior. Like, I got it all figured out. I don't struggle with this stuff. Well, it's like they're the opposite of the highlight reel. Like, they're telling you that they're dealing with shit. Like, they're you're not putting real. them on a pedestal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing. Once you put somebody on a pedestal, you're like, I can't accomplish that. Like, how do they do that? Like, how they, they're always self-compassionate? No, no, they're not. They could say they are. 
No. And I guess that's why gurus become so popular, right? Because like you start to put that person on this pedestal. You're like, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ever watch that movie or that show, Wild Wild Country? No. Oh, if you get a chance, it's on, I think it's on Netflix. Wow. It's about a guru out in Oregon okay. who forms a whole commune. This is a true story back in the 60s. Okay. It's, you'll never believe where it goes. What is it called again? Wild? Wild, wild country. Okay. Yeah, real good. That was a good way to yeah. wrap it up, actually. I like what you just said. You like a lot of things that I say. proud of yourself aren't you (laughs) my willingness i am proud of my willingness to just show the hell up and talk like that shocks me how willing i am to do it i've been doing it for two years now but like you show up and you have pre-show notes written out on a legal pad and i'm just like i do i got bullet points (laughs) i reel you back in (laughs) Uh, I take notes during our pre-show conversations so that I have a frame of reference, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I try to bring it back around sometimes. So episode 33 next week, we're going to talk about creative pursuits and we both have them just about how we've gotten there and how to open up to them. And Well, sharing our experience in navigating our creative pursuits, because you created this, the blog and the podcast was a passion project of yours. For right. me, it's writing and my experience of writing and then publishing my first memoir, which, yeah, but the business coach that I hired who's kicking my ass right now. <laughs> Creative pursuit and like how, you know, sometimes like when you're in that flow state and you're like writing's coming easy for you and like what the reality of engaging in creative pursuits is like, because it's not always easy. No. A lot of times it's not easy. I would say even, I would even go so far to say the majority of the time, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it can be pleasurable. And some, and a lot of times it can flow. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times... It, I got nothing. I got no words today. I'm like... You're wrestling in a sand pit with words, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about next week. Creative mm-hmm. pursuits. So come join us. FAConfessions.com. Mm-hmm. And like, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. All those things. All those things. Yeah, we'll see you next week. See you next week.